Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Thank you. Yes, thank you. I'm swimming in emails and, uh, and all the other good stuff that comes with my job, right? <laughs> um, the youth got off. The youth have landed in Minneapolis. They left at 6 a.m. this morning on their flight. So um, I said to Gail, do you want me to drive you up at 2.30 in the morning? Or you could drive yourself and just leave the keys and I'll drive the car back. Yeah, let's do that. That's a better idea, right? Um, so thank you for um, taking the time to be here today. And thank you to Tara for covering for me while I was away. Um, we are spending the summer uh, in prayer. And uh, so each week we'll be about somewhere in Scripture about prayer. Uh, welcome to those who are online today. And if you miss today, there is a Facebook Live tonight from 9 to 9.30, sort of an abbreviated version of uh, this class. So uh, I'll make this commitment to you. I don't know that I'll have a slideshow for you, but I'll, I'll try to each week tell you a little story, quick short story about our trip, all right? And so um, the, the, my, fa- bless you, my favorite story to tell you is that we were in the town that the Harmons are from. So the Harmons are from County Carlow. So imagine... Ireland, County Carlow, Rathfully, Tanakh. Tanakh's about as big as this room. <laughs> and then farms. Very, very rural. And uh, I had researched the church that my family went to and was trying to find it. Found a church, but there was no name on the church. So I wasn't sure if it was the church. Thank you. My sister-in-law asked if I wanted coffee. Wasn't that nice? You're going to heaven. Um, not because of the coffee, Claire. I'm just confirming for her that. Um, and so we found the church. But we didn't. There was no name on the church. So then we went down a couple roads. And when I mean, when I say rural, I mean there's no 7-Eleven. You know, there. <laughs> so I found another church. And there was a little neighborhood there. And there's a lady outside. So I said, is this Our Lady of the Assumption? She says, oh, no, that's where I was. And uh, she says, uh, what are you looking for? And I said, well, I'm looking for Harmons. And she says, I know all the Harmons. <laughs> she pulls out her cell phone. She says, I'll call Carol Harmon, who's my mother, by the way. She didn't call my mother, but my mother's name is Carol. She says, yes, there's some people here looking for their relations. They're not Harmon. Okay. They said go to their house. They're up the street. And we went to their home. Sat in their home for about an hour, and um, once I realized they were not rich, we cut the cut it short. You know, no, no, um, they were gracious. What we learned was we probably are related. We just don't know how. It's too far apart. But what we learned is that in Irish genealogy, names continue. So if you're looking for the same names, if you see a name that's odd, that's probably a offshoot, right? And we had the same names, primarily Anthony. That's a big name in our line. So it was really neat. That's your story for today. And I drove there, by the way, which is a miracle, just so you know. So let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you and praise you for a new day. And we ask now that you would send your spirit among us and within us that we may uh, study your word and be drawn closer to you in faith and in love. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn to Romans 8. Uh, we actually I preached a little bit on this a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to get into it a little bit more today. Romans 8, 26. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil it for you from the beginning, <laughs> and then we're going to get into it. Because when I was preparing this for you, it was a great reminder to me of, of sometimes how prayer is deviated from what it should be focused on. What I mean by that is, you know, like Sunday sermon, Lord, let me win the lottery. It may not be the intent of what God created prayer to be. Um, and this passage here, when we read it on our own, almost you can make a case 
feeds that lottery feeling, right? Let's, let's read it. You'll know what I mean. Uh, this is Romans 8. Uh, we're going to do, we're going to read 26 to 30. Believe it or not, I don't think we're going to get past 30. <laughs> it's so much stuff in these little verses here. I'm going to read it to you for those online today, okay? Uh, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. The temptation there is to say, ah, God wants to work good for me, and I will determine what is good. <laughs> there, there begins our struggle. Lord, I'm coming to you because I've determined what is good for me, and therefore do these things. It's not the essence of this passage. That's the spoiler alert. What did you hear? And by the way, don't get caught up in the foreknowledge, predestined. We're not, actually not spending a lot of time on that today. We're, we're focusing on prayer. I'll get to, I will touch it. I will touch it. What did you hear today in those passages? It just at the very beginning jumps out that um, the Spirit intercedes, yeah. and he knows, it knows, the Spirit knows what we need to pray for. We don't know. We yeah. Don't, we just don't know what to pray for. Right. And yet, and yet that, that is an acknowledgement of faith right there, of which I don't know that many Christians, frankly, even believe. You know How often do we begin our prayer with, I don't really know what to say? That's different than, I don't know what to say, right? Like I'm angry or I'm hurt or something like that. Okay, that wasn't me. Um, What I'm saying is just in general to come before the throne of God and to say, I'm not sure what I should say to you today. But you know God, right? So good. Yeah, John. I guess my question is backing up even more, and that is, how does this work? I don't think it's like we put the Holy Spirit on automatic and he takes care of all of our prayer needs while we go about our business. It's a great the question. He prays for us only when we're praying. Sometimes we should be praying and we're not. And he's praying when we should be. Um, yeah. This whole. I'm going to unwrap that for you. Okay. Thank you. Good question. Someone else? What did you hear? Yeah, I'm sorry. The mic wasn't very loud. Um, so I'll happily repeat it for those in here. So what he said was, she was she doesn't have a question. She just wants me to repeat the question. Um, so what does that mean, the Spirit intercedes for us? Is it only when we're praying? Is the Spirit constantly praying for us? You know, what's the system for that? We're going to open that up. We do believe in intercession prayer. Sure. Sure we do. Yeah. Ah, Okay. <laughs> we believe a different intercession prayer than that. Um, for us, uh, this would be much more in line with intercessory prayer, the, the Spirit interceding with us and for us. Uh, or uh, Sunday, we would say, would be intercessory prayer, where, where we as a community are lifting our prayers together before the throne of God. Or even you calling me, right when, right when I walked in here, I got a phone call, I have a procedure today, Pastor. Can you be praying? Um, we w- Lutheran Christians would not pray to saints necessarily uh, at all, uh, and the reason would be there's no biblical example of that, right? Uh, now, uh, I've most of my family's Catholic, <laughs> and I have a lot of Catholic friends who would say we're not praying to them; we're requesting them to offer prayers for us. Yeah, hold on a second. That's what, wait for the microphone. Wait for the microphone. Okay. It's not about in here. It's about on there. Yes. I mean, I guess I don't understand why they're praying to saints who dead. Oh. <laughs> so why would we pray to saints? No, why would the Catholics yeah. pray to saints? Because they're, I don't know. It just seems odd. So. I understand. Yeah. 
So I think I think Monsignor Keeney, I'll speak on his behalf today, <laughs> would say one, they're not dead, right? They're with Christ, and that just like you would call me and say, "Pray for my for me today," we're doing the same there. That they're closer, that they're physically closer to God, and can offer those prayers. I was in when I was in Long Island, New York. Some girls from the Catholic school had to do a project on. Uh, the difference of religion. So they called me up and said, can we interview you? I said, absolutely, come interview me. And they first question they asked is, why don't you pray to Mary? And um, not to date myself, but President Clinton was the president at the time. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what, what if you got a call that President Clinton invited you to come see him at the White House? That'd be pretty cool, right? Absolutely, yeah, that'd be great. Um, go to the White House, see the president, Oval Office. And then you got there, and his mom came out and said, hey, listen, I know you're expecting to talk to my son, but just tell me what you want to say, and I'll share it with him. I said, would that be as good? And they're like, well, no. So, well, that's what we believe about Mary. Mary's a wonderful person, blessed among women. She deserves a lot of credit. But God himself invites us to pray to him. Why would we, why would we ask anyone else to pray on our behalf? <laughs> and the girls go, we're going to go back and tell Father Joseph we're not praying to Mary anymore. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. That's not the purpose of this conversation today. <laughs> so when they left, hey, Joe, <laughs> we knew each other, thankfully. So this was the conversation we had. He laughed. He thought it was hilarious. He goes, good. That was, that was the goal, to have them think outside the box. So that, that would be our approach to it. Listen, I think, I think we'd all be surprised in this room who people pray to, who people request intercessory prayers for, even in heaven. At the end of the day, we have the joy, I would say to you, the, the, the privilege of God himself saying, lay your petitions before my throne. That's sufficient for sure. Let's get into this a little bit so that we can uh, satisfy Alex's desire to talk about predestination uh, <laughs> or foreknowledge or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a while till we get there. So. Here's what I want you to be thinking about, because my goal today is to help you have a deeper prayer life. That's the goal in the summer. So with that, before we even dig one more sentence into this, your first priority in your prayer life is to seek God's provision that you never lose your salvation. With me? One of your first priorities in your prayer life should be that nothing would occur today that would lead me away from you. That, that nothing would, that I would do would hinder my relationship with you. Right? God is not going to divorce himself from us. The fear is we will divorce ourselves from him or something gets in as a splinter and then divides us away from God. Uh, I'm convicted because I don't know how often this is even in our intercessory prayers on Sunday that we would pray, uh, Lord, may nothing lead me away from you, right? And this is the essence of Romans 8. Uh, this is what Paul is trying to teach the believers there, particularly here, which is you've got something here and we don't want you to lose it, even amidst their challenges and your difficulties and heartaches, Right? And even when you feel like you can't do it, God in his grace to you supplies the means by which you can persevere, right? So for our theme this year, destination because it matters, even when you feel weak walking along that path for that destination, we hear now it's the spirit of God who will intercede and lift you up and guide you along that way. To Mike's point, the beginning Ultimately, on our own, uh, we, we most likely fail in that destination. We need the intercession of God. Okay? So Romans in itself is a heavily theological book. Uh, Lutherans particularly love Romans and the theology that's in it. Um, many scholars would point to Romans and say, if you want sort of the, the bread and butter of Christian theology, you're going to find it in here. And I'm going to show you some of that along the way, all right? 
Uh, So prior to this, Paul has spoken of Christian hope and our ability to wait for it to come to fruition. So a lot of Romans, and particularly here, we're getting to what we call the now and later. We've talked about that before in Bible study, right? That we receive the blessings of God now, all the while waiting to that later day when we receive the fullness of it, when we're saints in heaven, right? Not because someone named us a saint, but because Christ named us a saint, right? So this is the essence of what Paul's talking about, which is, hey, listen, we have a Christian hope. You tell me, where is that Christian hope found? In Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And we don't want, uh, we want you to live in the blessings of that hope today, all the while moving toward that destination where you'll receive the fullness of that uh, blessing through Christ our Lord. Okay? So if you have it's been a while since I've done Bible study, but every once in a while I go on a tangent. I'm speaking at destination. In Ireland, we stopped at the Barack and Michelle Obama rest stop. <laughs> on our way to a destination. Yeah, they've got a statue. They're waving. It's big name. And above the gas station, there's a whole library. It's very well done of all the U.S. presidents who have Irish heritage. It's at a rest stop, right? You get gas. Yeah, his great-great-great-grandfather was in the town that we were rest stopping at. (laughs) Yeah. So along the destination, right, sometimes you get surprises. There you go. All right, so, all right, sorry. Likewise, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Well, we can spend the rest of the day on this, right? Um, There's interesting ways to maybe um, interpret this. Some would say the Spirit comes to our aid. Uh, Some would say the Spirit joins with us to help us. Or the Spirit bears the burden along with us. This kind of goes to the beginning of your question, John, which is, at what point is the, is the Spirit interceding for us? Um, here we would say that um, it, the beginnings of this, what we see is, it's most likely when we're in the midst of it, the Spirit comes along with us. Although later, we're going to be able to make a case against that, just so you know. Um, What is the weakness? You tell me. The Spirit comes to our aid in our weakness. So what is the weakness? The weakness for me is the separation. When we are not feeling totally in tune, totally bonded, that's the biggest sin, is the separation. Okay. So when, for you, when you're feeling disconnected from God, there is that insecurity and uncertainty, uncertain feeling that you feel weaker, spiritually weaker. Yeah? Yeah, you're not, on, you're not, you're not even on the destination anymore, right? You've, you've stopped at the Barack and Michelle Obama rest stop and you haven't gotten back on. It's very clean, by the way, just so you know. And you could eat a full Irish breakfast there at a rest stop. Yeah, it was like a cafeteria. That whole thing. Should go, Alex. Uh, Jack had blood pudding, and he loved it. And if anyone's ever eaten with Jack Harmon, you would know he eats like three things. So he looked at it, and he goes, what's this? And we knew what it was. And he shoved it in his mouth and went, oh, this is going to be interesting. He's like, this is delicious. What's the human condition? What's the human, like I said, what's the weakness? Well, as I said, the human condition, in fact, that we we want to take on all this responsibility of ourselves in, in, in solving and knowing what to pray for. And I, I know, to use Karin's turn, I know myself oftentimes in prayer, I have to stop and say, okay, I need not tell you. <laughs> I need to ask you simply for your help. Yeah, yeah, um, good. So I I believe there's two tiers to this because I 
firmly believe Scripture reveals to us that God's a relational God, right? So I do believe when we at first read, we can look at weakness and say, here's where I know I'm weak, right? Me as Bill Harmon, me as, me as Greg Kolonover, me as Karen Piper, right? I know my own weaknesses or the times when I feel weak in my spiritual journey. And I think those are appropriate to acknowledge, frankly. And they would be varying and different in here. But we all share one unified weakness, and that is the human condition. That we, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore, at, at some point in our spiritual journey, sometimes daily, sometimes hourly, we are too weak to understand and appreciate the destination that matters. Because we're, because in our weakness, what, what do we do in our weakness? We, we panic, we fear, we give up, we grow, we grow weary, right? And those things then get in the way. So, um, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our human condition or in our individual weaknesses, uh, for we do not know how we pray, right? We struggle with the content and the object of prayer. Do we pray prayers for the glory of God or for the glory of me? right? Uh, Do we pray that God would give us the ability to discern his will or that God would do our will, right? I don't mind telling you that often my will is first, right? Um, Whose isn't? Um, Often my prayer doesn't start with, Lord, your will be done. It it usually ends with that, but maybe I should start with it. (laughs) Might guide my prayer life a little bit, right? Um, Right. from, from from one of the commentators I read, we cannot pressure uh, to uh, identify our petitions with the will of God. Right? We, it's not for us to go to God and say, "This is your will." Now there is the persistent widow, and I, and I don't want I don't want you to hear me say you should not bring your petitions before God and that you shouldn't be bold in those petitions and uh, intentional about them. But ultimately what we're going to hear in these verses is that the good that God is working for is a larger good than you can even recognize because of your human condition. Right? Uh, God's, th- God's thinking here when often we're thinking here. Okay? Um, it is the spirit of God that has the ability to overcome the weakness and bring clarity amidst uncertainty. So think about that for a moment. Think about uh, when we pray at the end of our session today, we're going to pray together, right? It would be, you know the line I've been using, a worthy prayer. Uh, To say, Lord, I, I bring these petitions before you Relying on your spirit to bring clarity to your will as I share them with you now. I'm going to hint on this a little bit on Sunday. The other thing that we often kind of confuse in prayer is that somehow God needs us to pray for him to do something, right? Well, maybe God would have healed that person if I just prayed. Uh, or maybe this would have happened if I just prayed. God is not, God is not uh, dependent on you. Okay, the fire alarm's going to go off. We're going to stay right here. It, there's not a fire. But there's some testing being done today. I may have to pause for a moment. <laughs> um, and it will be loud, just so you know. Um, God is not dependent on our prayer life for his will to be done. So could it be that one aspect of prayer life is for us to discern his will in our life? So I'll say it. I'll try to say it. Again, differently. Um, What if one aspect, not the full aspect, but one aspect of our prayer life is not necessarily to pressure God to do our will, but in the midst of our praying, praying petitions to gain clarity and understanding of what his will is amidst that petition? Well, Spirit of God, intercede, right? Spirit of God, give me clarity. Um, here's, here's a good example. I'm kind of giving you my sermon for Sunday, but, um, uh, oh, the air just came on right on me right there. Thank you, Lord. Um, 
So let's let's say you're sick, okay? Uh, And I'm praying for you, which I would. (laughs) Uh, Gracious Father, bring healing to Linda. That, I think, is an appropriate prayer of which I'm seeking God's heart to bring healing to you. God, it's not God's will that you be sick and suffering, right? Could it be that amidst that same petition, uh, God is revealing to me that maybe I should visit you, that maybe I should make you a meal, that maybe I should be caring for you more than just words and a prayer? That's what I'm saying. Um, He may not be. But what what I'm suggesting is, is it possible that in the midst of our prayer life, it's not just words, but it all it is also a willingness to understand, all right, God, what are you, what are you calling me to do amidst this petition, right? So let's go to the lottery for a minute. Uh, gracious God, it's half a billion dollars. Let me win the lottery, all right? Man, you know I'll be generous. You know, God, you know that. Could it be in the amidst that petition? I'm to learn um, that my security is not in a lottery, but in Christ. Could it be amidst that petition and that fervent prayer as I'm on my hands and knees begging God for a half a billion dollars? I'll take a million, by the way, uh, that, that God is saying my grace is enough. And I'm only coming to that because I'm in conversation with God. And his spirit is interceding with that to say, listen, you're okay. You're okay. Right? See what I'm saying? Um, I have a great example of that. Um, I won't go into the whole story, but uh, two days ago, my neighbor had a heart attack. And we were helping. He was having a heart attack, and we were there. My son, Noah found him and, his, and the neighbor boy. And when I went over to him, uh, he's looking at me. He says, I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Right, I can't breathe, and I finally had to grab his face, and I said, "You're breathing. You're talking to me. You're breathing." And in that prayer is kind of what I look at that, which is sometimes we're saying to God, "God, do this. God, help me this. God, give me this." And sometimes God, in that prayer, God wants to say, "You're, you're okay. Calm, calm down. You're okay." Right? He's he lived, by the way, and made hundred percent blockage. Hundred percent. Uh, well, now you get to hear a story. Noah and Mike were in the backyard uh, doing bow and arrow. This guy has a double lot, so he lets them do that. Starts having a heart attack in his garage. Falls and lays on the ground. Gets his cell phone. He can't see. Thankfully, the number is the boy. He says, garage, garage. Thankfully, Noah and Mike say, we probably should go to the garage. They find him, and the rest is history. Right? Debbie, hold on. Larry's got to come to you. So ponder it. Yeah, get me back on track, will you? Don't you miss terror already? Well, I think um, I love that story. I mean, I'm sorry the guy had a heart attack, but what an, <laughs> what an interesting Yeah, but let's move on, right? <laughs> um, analogy to what we're looking at. Um, I've been sitting here thinking about this verb groan. Mm. Um, and. Earlier, I love that you said that this whole thing is relational. Yeah. Um, that the spirit is so in tune with what is going on in the world and, and in our prayer dialogue that he is even groaning with us as we are praying. And I noticed that before we get to the passage that we read today, um, the, Let's see, back in 22, Yes, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. Now, yes. half of us in this room know those pains. I sure do. At, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, um, if you keep going, those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's all of us in this room groan inwardly as we wait. So we get this picture of the creation groaning because things aren't right here. Mm. Just turn on the news. Mm -hmm. And that the Holy Spirit is also groaning with us because we're in this time in history or in God's 
history, if you will, that we're waiting for this ultimate redemption. We have our, our redemption, but we know that one day this whole pure, complete redemption is going to come. Yeah. And that even the Spirit groans with us as we're praying these things that are so heavy on our minds. And so there's this wonderful connection, I think, with the Holy Spirit knowing so much what we are concerned about that he even groans with us. So I just want to know more about this word. Yeah. I think it's a great word. Yeah. Well, right now I've got a little heart palpitation. Uh, To me, what's beautiful about that um, is um, Paul's imagery of this groaning. I look at it slightly different. The, The groaning of creation, I agree. The groaning of Christendom, I agree. But the Spirit's groaning is more perfect. It's a language that comes before the throne of God with clarity, right? And so I don't look at that spirit groaning as, and you didn't say this, I'm saying it's as aches and pains and heartache. And the spirit's groaning is, is a message on our behalf. So I love that Paul c- continues that imagery and to show at the end of, of chapter eight that it's that in our weakness, when the spirit groans, um, it's, it's elevating us to a greater plane, our prayer to a greater plane, if you will. Um, when we do not know what to pray for, yes, even when we pray for the things that are not best for us, just so you know, this is going to be all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, we need not despair, for we can depend on the Spirit's ministry of perfect intercession groaning on our behalf. Here is one potent source for that patient fortitude with which we are to await our glory, that our failure to understand God's purposes and plans to see the beginning from the end does not mean that effective, powerful prayer for our specific needs is absent. So uh, this author is saying, I didn't write his name down, I'm sorry. But just so you know, I make my notes, I put quotes about the, around the things that I didn't say. So, <laughs> so that I know going back, but I didn't put his name. So what he's saying here is, when we do know how to pray and when we don't know how to pray, we rejoice that the Spirit is still partnering with us so that regardless of the petition of the prayer, uh, it, it is risen to the throne of God at some level. Let's keep going. Uh, and here's why I like the groanings too. What does it say? Groanings too deep for words. There was a time when theologians thought maybe that was uh, spiritual tongues. But uh, further research shows no, it probably wasn't. That, that this is the spirit actively working on our behalf and lifting up words more than we could even say. Uh, And, verse 27, he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. I actually really love this passage. Uh, Although, uh, we're getting into the uh, uh, more difficult levels of theology here. Uh, I would say to you, you should circle this as a Trinitarian verse. And the reason I say that is, um, here we're seeing, my word, the marriage of the Father and the Spirit. And I'm going to show you where the Son's in there, too. But the Father and the Spirit are one. Don't, Don't forget that. Therefore, the Spirit within us is the Spirit of a living God. And he is, it's that spirit who's searching the depths of our soul through the power of the Spirit. Because in our weakness, we don't even know the depths of our own knowledge, our own hurt, our own sin, frankly, our own faith at times. But it's God who searches us uh, to do that. Some of, some of my favorite uh, prayers of confession are, you know, you, Spirit, you search me. You search me to know the depths of my sin. Because, frankly, I'll excuse half of them. Right? <laughs> Uh, I've given myself a pass on a lot of my sin. But the spirit, spirit, if you come in, there'll be a purity there that I'm seeking, right? And I would say to you, here is a verse where we see once again the depth of God's love for you. 
that that sort of this insurance policy that he that he puts around you for your salvation story. If it wasn't enough that he created you, if it wasn't enough that he saved you, he now gives you the spirit who's searching you day and night so that you can be in relationship with him. The ascended the ascended Lord Jesus is in heaven working on your behalf every day uh, working working to uh, free you of the sins. God, he is before the Father saying, no, Claire Partlow, she, we forgive her, right? Um, that's, what, that's what Jesus does for us with the Father. So, so he's working our, for our salvation in heaven, even as we speak. This, we often forget that the Spirit of God is in our hearts. So you got Christ in heaven and the Spirit here, who's praying on our behalf through our difficulties and uncertainties, through our weaknesses, uh, so that as we live here on earth, we can continue on the destination in faith. That's a great gift. One of the reasons why we probably don't know so much about this is because we're not very good at talking about the Holy Spirit in the Lutheran Church, right? Uh, But we do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and that Spirit working in us. So we groan, we groan because we don't know what to pray. The Spirit intercedes for us and works on our behalf. Don't forget, remember from the beginning, we're, we're talking eternal first. Sometimes I think we're, I think sometimes we are, mm, how should I say this without sounding like a heretic? Um, I think sometimes we're not concerned enough about losing our salvation. I think sometimes we're not concerned enough about losing our salvation. That uh, we we eat that that bag of grace so freely and so deliciously that um, we wonder about that. Now, I know some think we can never lose it if you're a true believer. Um That'd be an interesting debate, right? Pastor. To help me, uh, when words don't come in prayer, I resort to what I memorize. Mm. And I'm wondering if that's a helpful tool in our weakness of prayer. Prayer of Luther, O comforter of priceless worth, bring peace and unity on earth, support us in our final strife. And lead us out of death. Life. Yeah. That's good for me. Absolutely. At the age I am. <laughs> hey, the fact that you can remember that, Pastor. Is good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a great point. That um, that one gift that God has given to us, I think, within the church, are our liturgies, uh, are our are our pr- prayers of memory. I'll be, there, have been, there have been moments when I didn't know what to pray, so I prayed the Lord's Prayer. Right? And and that had to be sufficient for that day. John's got a point there. So one of the things I was hoping to talk about this morning is when I'm in that situation, I don't use words. And is there a problem with that? I just pray without words. I don't know what you want to call it, emotion, thought, awareness, Blah, blah, blah. I yeah. don't care. Just, Lord, at this point, I know prayer needs to happen, and I have no idea what it is. And so what I'm hoping is one of the things you're going to tell me, one aspect of this is the Holy Spirit says, Heavenly Father, what John meant to pray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think that, that I think you're wrong about that. I think... Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sometimes we don't have the words. I preached on that a couple of weeks ago, and I think it. I think it's. I think it's a valuable and appropriate prayer to say that, Lord, s- search my heart because you you know how I'm feeling, right? Uh, but I don't have the I don't have the ability right now to express that to you. Again, this is why I go back to God is not dependent on you to understand you. <laughs> 
But what he wants, in the, in, I, I think, in the nature of prayer is not only to hear the petition, but to allow us to hear the petition and to see how he's going to work. I think in that, in that conversational prayer, even without the words, you probably have found that in time, God's able to lead you to a place where you say, oh, okay, here's where I am now. Karn. In that moment, I lean on somebody else. And in those little portals of prayer, mm-hmm. the little books, um, I tend not to be so fond of everyday lessons, but I always love Luther's morning prayer. And I with confidence. Yeah. But that's what I'm finding in the diary. Yeah. That evening prayer. Mm-hmm. And says what needs to be said each evening. Yeah. Yeah, and I, Gene, while, while we're getting to Gene, um, you know, look, every everyone has different gifts, too, spiritual gifts, right? And in their spiritual walk, I think different strengths. I think it's perfectly appropriate to say at certain points in your life, I, I don't feel like I'm a very effective prayer right now. I'm going to pick out this book. I'm going to go back to the memory lessons that I have. Or I'm going to call my friend Claire and say, Claire, I need you to pray with me, for me, in this season right now. Find a spiritual mentor, someone that you need to spiritually mature, and say, listen, I I don't want to be outside the realm of prayer, but I don't know that I have it right now. And I... I'm hoping you can walk with me in this time. That's intercessory prayer, right? We have Peter's in prison. What are they all doing? They're all praying on his behalf, you know. Gene. I, I want to commiserate with John. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know I, I find, you know, language is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, but language is very limiting. And for those of us that aren't as glib as others, um, you know, the, the thoughts come in images, in, you know, kind of background and don't have words associated with them. I think God understands that. Uh, Agreed. You know, we can communicate with God without necessarily finding the words. It's, you know, he understands. Yeah. Well, have you ever, you ever been singing a hymn or a a Christian song and, and say the same thing about that? Like those words are on my heart today, right? Um, I actually printed a song for us today. Uh, if we get to it, we're not going to sing it, but it, it, it gives a great example of what's, what's being spoken about here. Uh, so sometimes it comes that way. Or a piece of art. You look at a piece of art and you say, uh, yeah, this is, this is what I need. This is what I'm thinking. God, this is where I am, right? You see a, you see a beautiful image of the, of the crucifixion of Christ, and you're able to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Right, you know, you don't have to go into all the words of what God did there, but you can acknowledge it there, right? <laughs> I had lunch yesterday with the new pastor of Our Savior in Norwich. Uh, she's lovely. She's brand new into ministry, um, first call, and so we had lunch together, and we were we were making fun of our churches together, right? So it was a it was a we, we were both doing it. We were not, you know, no one's being critical of the other. And we were talking about our, our prayers, our intercession prayers. And I said, you know, the, for me, the problem sometimes with the Missouri Synod prayers, sorry for anyone who's listening, is that we spend half the prayer telling God it's something he already knows. Right? Right. Gracious God, as you once fed 5,000 people. He knows he fed 5,000 people. He does not need me to tell him that. Right? And then she was saying, yeah, and sometimes our prayers are very, ah, yeah, very, you know. She said, one day I, we prayed for the manatees. She goes, it's not that I want to pray for manatees, but why are we praying for manatees? <laughs> you know, so that's the other end of your argument, just so you know. <laughs> Let's go into what is good, right? Because I, I don't want to miss this today. And we know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called to, according to his purpose. Perfect! So, so you tell me, what is good? I know what I want good to be, right? Claire, Claire, you look like you're going to say it. I'm going to let you say it. Yes, but, sorry, Larry. It's God's will. His purpose is not mine. 
But that's not what we want it to be, right? And, and yet that's what we're talking about here. It doesn't mean, just so you know, that uh, because God is working for your good that you'll never suffer or that you'll never have pains. Sometimes good is being played out in those things for you, right? And sometimes you've got to look back at it and say, oh, that was good, or okay, something good will come in, into this. But I would suggest to you that the best place to understand what good is is the end of this chapter. And the end of this chapter is a very famous funeral passage that we use here at King of Glory. Um, uh, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Angels or demons or principalities, life or death, um, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, God and Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good that we're talking about here. That's the good. And by the way, that's good. <laughs> Let's be abundantly clear about that. That is really good. That nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. That he will, that he will never say, Gene, I don't love you anymore. Because clearly you don't have the words to pray, right? <laughs> or John, for that matter. No, he doesn't say that. No, he, nothing, will separ- nothing will do that for you. And um, that's the good. This is what, this is what uh, hear me out, this is God's primary goal for you, salvation. And this is what Paul is talking about here. I know we want to make this about... Um, getting a job or a good retirement or, and, and it's, and I don't know that God does or doesn't care about those things. I'm, and I'm saying, I don't mean that facetious, facetiously. I'm saying he may, he may not Here, What he's talking about is your eternal future and the good that comes through Christ, our Lord, who has secured that, uh, for you, Karn, John, sorry. Okay. As I read my translation here. It doesn't really say all things work out for your good. It, it just says for good. Yeah. For those who love God, all things work together for good. Meaning the good that comes out of your suffering or your problem or your prayers or whatever may be for someone else. What happened to Jesus was not good, but it was good for us. Right. Even in Good Friday, right? Karn. But like you said... God will never separate from us. The trick here is we have to pay attention and respond to that gift. Because we can go on our merry way and feel like, oh, this is a given. It's like you said earlier, we can take it. Yeah. But you gotta listen. You gotta yeah. pay attention to this. And the people that don't are Living the greatest sin. Yeah. Because they're, they're accepting the separation. Yeah, I, the I hear what you're saying. I would say that all of us live in that time at some point. You know, some, at some point we are tempted to be separated from God, whether it's because of our weaknesses, our selfishness, our pride, our arrogance, you know, those kind of things. It's how we get back to that. Just so you know, there is division in Christendom of whether... Um, whether a believer can be separated from the love of Christ. I mean, by, by the believer. Um, some would argue, what, what did, were you ever really a believer? Lutheran Christians don't tend to go there, just so you know. Um, and, and, and here's what I would say about that. Um, because it's not a matter of how much we love God, uh, but rather, in loving God, are we seeking are we worshiping? Are we repenting? Are we altering our course to stay on the course? That's what you're saying. That's what we need to be mindful of. That's the sanctified life of a Christian, which is, am I, am I doing the works in response to my salvation that keep me on that road, right? Um, and then he goes on to say, so thank you. Uh, and for those, I also want to get to called according to his purpose. Well, who's called? Technically, I am, just so you know. I have a document that says I'm called uh, <laughs> as a pastor. Um, here, we might paraphrase something like this. We know that all things are working for good for those of us who love God. And we know this uh, is because we who love God are also those who have been summoned by God to enter into relationship with him. 
a summons that is in accordance with God's purpose uh, to mold us into the image of Christ, the glorified. And that's where I got the summons, right? It's a really beautiful hymn. Maybe you're saying, will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Right? It's a really beautiful. You can get the words. I don't have time to read it all to you. But it's this, look, I'm calling your name. Will you come and follow me as I call your name? Right? I should. But Chris is not here Sunday, so we've got to work together with. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll sing it. I'll do a solo. Did you point at someone as a microphone? Oh, Claire. Sorry. Thank you, Karen. Yeah, it, it started us out by saying the whole point of all of this is the destination. I mean, that's where we are, and that it is about our relationship with the Lord. And I'm thinking back, I mean, Debbie, when you taught on Hannah, at Hannah, who was the wife of. Eli, and didn't have, not Eli, um, I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And and she was the wife that didn't have children, and she's begging, 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 and the priest sees her and says, okay, and she hasn't made the bargaining as far as we know. Okay, if you give me this child, I'll give him back to you. But that is what she does with Samuel. He goes back in service of Eli. Right. Okay, and I remember years ago reading a little bitty book by S.B. Gordon. I have no idea where he comes from or whatever, but it was The Power of Prayer and his chapter on when God says wait or says no or whatever Mm. it is said, Hannah wanted a son. And it probably had to do with a lot of that, uh, the struggle in the household, the domestic struggle. But God needed a leader, and he needed a mother who could raise that leader. So in... In the waiting time, maybe he was forming her yeah. more according to his will. Because let's face it, no mother would really want to give up that baby. Right. That you, I mean, she didn't give him up as a baby. He's weaned. But, right. you know, but that idea that there's some shaping of us going on. Yeah. In, in whatever the Spirit's got to intercede for us yeah. about. And... Are we at a point in our faith life, or are we praying that we could be at a point in our faith life, that if the answer to our prayer is not given, or if the answer is no, that we look to see what God is doing in that? No could be good. No answer could be good. Um, But yet, we have determined that good is only when God says yes to our petition. And that's that's not really what we believe. <laughs> and so um, as prayers, as people walking along that road, maybe you say, okay, I have been praying this prayer and there's been no movement. Okay, God, what am I to discern in this? Reveal that to me. It means altering your prayer, right? What am I to learn in this waiting? What am I to learn in this no? Right, um, it's a, it's a it's a great point for sure. Um, the call for us, by the way, is to become like Christ. So, for those who are called, it's those who are, I would say, disciples, walking in the dis- discipline of God and being shaped in His likeness. All right, for Alex, now here we go. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to conform to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We have four minutes to do all this. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. First thing I want you to know, not answering your question, is um, soteriology, is the theology of salvation. And we see that in these verses. If you go to the very end, take out the foreknowledge and the predestination and all that. What do we see? Uh, we see called, justified, glorified, right? So God determines he's going to change uh, change the eternal future of his people, and therefore he provides the means for justification before God in Christ Jesus, and because of that, we now will have eternal glory with him. We are changed and made new as we're shaped in the image of God, and on that final day, when we're in heaven with God, we will see his glory to its fullest. That's a very brief version of the salvation story that Paul gives us here. 
Then we get into uh, yikers, all this, you know, um, hold on, I, I actually copied something for you to see. To hear. This is from a commentary. I should have written all this down. Uh, if predestined stood by itself without any amplification, one might conclude that all that is involved is an action of God whereby one is chosen to salvation. But the remainder of the sentence indicates otherwise, pointing to much more than deliverance from sin and death. The background is adoption. But now, predestined, not as in verse 15, where it is related to the Father and Spirit, but as related to the Son, Paul presents two aspects of this conformity. By a sharing in the sufferings of Christ that is based on having the mind of Christ, the believer is gradually being made into his likeness. This is the essence of sanctification. Its second and final aspect is conformity of the body to that of the risen Lord, to be realized at the resurrection, which is the culmination of the growth in Christ, the Spirit's work. So in essence, what this author is saying is this isn't predestination in the purity of God has predetermined everyone who will be saved and everyone who will be cast into hell, which we would say is double predestination. Our Presbyterian friends would believe that. Um, but rather... Um, the, the foreknowledge here could very well be, um, let's read it again, for those whom he foreknew, uh, for those he foreknew in the mother's womb that he knew he would bring salvation to, he also determined, he also determined uh, to conform to the image of Christ. So, uh, boy, we need like 20 more minutes on this. Um, so here what we would say is, First of all, what's Lutheran approach to predestination, which is that salvation is for all. Salvation, salvation is predetermined for all people, but uh, damnation is not. That's the simplest way to describe it to you. That, that, that on the cross, Christ dies for everybody. Um, and does God have foreknowledge and to know who, who is and who isn't? Absolutely. He's God, Right. Uh, but here, if you take foreknowledge in the essence of the whole chapter and what we're talking about, what he's been, what Paul's talking about, it's, it's this knowledge of uh, bringing salvation to the world and people who will receive that and be changed into the image of Christ, right? And so what he, this is much less about who is and who isn't, but what happens as you are. Does that make sense? This is much less about who is and who isn't, but what happens as you are. So um, to say it one more time, for those who he foreknew, um, he also, I'm going to say, determined to be conformed to the image of God. Well, that's the Christian story. Is it not? Um, when you were baptized, uh, you, the journey of you being shaped and formed in the likeness of Christ began. And you live out that baptism every day. Why? In order that you might be the firstborn among many brothers, that you may be conformed to Christ, who was the firstborn. And those who he predetermined, predestined, he also called. So if it's been determined that you're walking in the likeness of Christ, then you have a call, a summons to walk in the likeness of Christ because you've been justified and that justification is leading you to the glory of heaven. I know that's not sufficient, and I've kept you late, but we got a little bit to it. Um, if you'd like, and I'll make a note, if one day we want to talk about foreknowledge and predestination, we could do a whole series on that. We could. We certainly could. But, but as it pertains to prayer, here's what, I, here's what it's important for you to know as that verse wraps up, which is um, you have been called here in this room because you've been justified by Christ and you're on a destination to that glory. Therefore, pray that the spirit intercedes for you, walks with you, guides you in your weakness so that you stay on that path. Uh, prayer requests today. Yeah, Mike. Okay. Your brother had back surgery. Okay. Ed Wilner's in the hospital, yeah? 
I'm sorry. Okay. My neighbor. Yeah. Neighborhood friend stroke at 64. For our youth, this would be a great spiritual experience for them too. Let's pray. Almighty God, gracious Father, we praise you that your spirit intercedes for us when we do not know how to pray, and even in the weakness of our human condition. And so as we bring these petitions before you today, Almighty God, we seek your will, not ours, and that as we pray these petitions, you may reveal to us um, who we are and how we're to continue forward uh, as we are being shaped in your image. We praise you for this mission station and ask that you would give us all that we need to continue to shine your light of love to all the world. We pray, Lord, for those in our prayer guide, that you'd bless them and keep them in your care. We pray especially, Lord, for the prayers that were offered today for uh, brothers and neighbors who are recovering or sick, for sisters and their families as they mourn their loss that you'd bring comfort and healing uh, and peace to all those involved. We pray for our youth, Lord, that your spirit would intercede there and open them up to a transformational experience uh, at the youth gathering. And finally, Lord, we pray today that you would bless us and keep us in your care, uh, that we would continue on that destination that matters uh, and live to your glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.